Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So, our Old Testament text, we've got the Tower of Babel. Where to begin with that one? It's, it's kind of a, it's a bizarre thing, especially when, when you look back a Sunday, last Sunday, where in our gospel reading, and what I preached on, was Jesus praying for his disciples for what? For unity. Praying to the Father that they may all be one. That they become perfectly one. Okay. And now today we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 11, and what do we see? Everybody is one. They're all together. One people, one language, one city, one tower, one purpose. I mean, looking at this from where we sit, that's a miracle. Oh my gosh, can you even imagine? Everybody together on the same page. If we had any sort of unity like that in this country, I, I, I foolishly tried to look and see when was the last time we, we like Congress or the Senate, voted unanimously, unanimously on anything. And they did. They was uh, the... the uh, the baby formula shortage. The Senate voted unanimously. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And then, then I saw all the other stuff that they did, and I was like, oh, good Lord, okay. And that was depressing, so I moved on. Uh, but it's just, you know, you look at these people, and it's, it's here they are, they're united. They are one. <laughs> and God looks down on this and says, this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will be impossible for them. Which sounds good, right? You know, a testament to the power of teamwork. You know, if we all got together, you know, we, we can do amazing things. There'd be lo- no limit to what we could accomplish. Nothing would be impossible. We could actually get things done, if only. So it sounds like a good thing. Of course, there's more. After that, God says, ah, yes, come, let us go down there and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech, and he disperses them, sends them out over the face of the earth. God creates confusion, makes it so people can't understand one another. Well, that doesn't sound good at all. (laughs) That sounds like the opposite. How is that possibly something good? Why does God do that? Well, for that, we take a look at what they were doing. Okay? They shared one language. Okay? They came together in one place. Fine. Uh, A plain in the land of Shinar. And they said, let's build a city. Ah, not just a city, but a tower reaching to the heavens. Heavens, excuse me. And they they burned bricks and uh, and got bitumen for, for mortar. Now, that might seem like a throwaway detail. Like, okay, they built stuff. But it's actually kind of significant there because where they settled in that, that place, there was not really um, a good supply of, of rock or, or wood for building. So bricks were really the only option. Well, okay, when you, you make mud bricks back then, typically what you do is you let them harden in the sun. You, know, you make the bricks, let them harden in the sun, great. But no, they decided to bake them. Now, the, a tower, you know, the, the, the scope of this project was immense. So, um, for that scale 
of a building project, they needed a large supply of wood for burning the ovens to keep the ovens going so they could burn these bricks. Well, the, the best supply of wood was nearly 100 miles away. So I had to make this trek to go get the wood, bring it all back so they could burn their bricks. Well, then there was the, the bitumen for the, uh, for the mortar. Not a common thing. There was not a great supply to be found, except 100 miles away, <laughs> another direction. Um, they had to undertake a lot of work to get this thing done the way they wanted to do it. This isn't a minor building project. They were going to a lot of effort. Why? Why was it so important for them to do this? Why was it such a big deal? Well, Scripture tells us to make a name for themselves. And then also to keep from being dispersed over the face of the whole earth, the irony being that what they were doing to prevent being dispersed was the very thing that caused them to be dispersed in the end. So there you go. So much for our plans. But this was important to them. It just doesn't seem like a huge deal from our perspective. You know, certainly not something that God would come down and put such a stop to, that he would take such drastic measures. Why would God come down and confuse their language, stop what they were trying to accomplish? Well, for that, got to go back farther, back to the beginning, the sixth day of creation. We read, so God created man in his own image, In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Had dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God created man in his image, placing his name upon the people. But what did they want to do? They wanted to make a name for themselves, apart from God. You know, God created man to go out into the world, to, to, to fill the earth, to, to take care of it, to, to tend this creation. But they refused. They wanted to come together. They wanted to do it their way. They rejected their purpose. And therein lies the problem. This is why God comes down to do this. And so when God says, this is only the beginning of what they'll do. Nothing they propose to do will now be impossible for them. It was not a compliment. He was not saying, oh goody, look at what they can do. It was more like, oh no, this is terrible for them. He looked and said, look how stubbornly they refuse to be what I created them to be. Look at the lengths to which they are going to avoid what I have created. How I created them to reject what I have called good. Nothing's going to stop them from seeking out those things that keep them farther and farther away from me. No matter of sin or evil will be beyond their reach. They are so willfully dedicated to their own self-destruction. And I can only imagine He says the very same thing, looking down on the world today. So (laughs) he confuses their language. He stops them from reaching their full potential 
of their sinfulness. Keeps them from solidifying their outright rejection of him. And he disperses them. Pointing them back to their original purpose. That maybe, just maybe they'll, they'll see now. That the only name that matters is God's. That the only unity that matters is being united in him. In, in his good and gracious word. Well, from there you fast forward to Pentecost. Today. Well, that day. <laughs> Ten days after Jesus had ascended into heaven. In the middle of this great harvest festival that is, is coalescing in Jerusalem, people from near and far coming together, different lands, different cultures, speaking different languages. We see the result of the Tower of Babel all around our Pentecost text. And what does God do? He sends the Holy Spirit to the apostles, allowing them to speak in different languages, but proclaiming one singular message. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Here he is gathering together people for his name's sake. Gathering them that so together they would once again have the same words. Not theirs, but his. The Spirit proclaiming Jesus Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins. Starting in that place, starting in Jerusalem, and then in every language dispersing that message over the face of the earth. Here is, it, God is sending his Holy Spirit into the world to create faith in the hearts of those who hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Bringing people together and making them one in faith. Bridging not only divisions of, of language, but all the divisions that we've added into the mix. All the ways we separate ourselves from other people. He reconnects us. And all the ways we've driven people away and caused them pain and suffering. He heals and forgives. And all the ways we have departed from his word and followed the world rather than him. He brings us back. See, we always, we always want to do our own thing. You know, we, we look at the world around us, we look at everything that's going on, and we want to impress our will upon it. I mean, we want to force our will on others, right? We think this world would be so much better if everybody just thought the same as me. If only everybody listened to me, everything would be fine. We get past all this nonsense. We could actually make this place a better place. If only you did it my way. <laughs> We're no different from the people in our text today. Convinced that we know better than God. Convinced of our own self-righteousness. See, at the Tower of Babel, God dispersed us and confused our language of self-righteousness. And on Pentecost, God brought us together and united our language of his righteousness. God sent his Holy Spirit into the world so that we would again be one. And that's what binds us together. That is what brings true unity. 
That's what guides us forward. His word, his understanding, his purpose, which is to proclaim salvation to sinners, starting with us. And that is how we engage. That's how we engage the world. That's how we deal with all the tragedies and suffering that we see every day. We lift up his name. We hold fast to his word. We do not build our, up ourselves. We are built up by God in his forgiveness and grace, which we, we then share with others. We stop insisting that we know better than him and trust that he is God. and We are not. We stop building our towers of self-importance and instead build up his body, bearing one another up, encouraging one another in his word. All of this coming together in one singular message, one word that brings much needed relief. And that is Jesus Christ died for you. In his grace, in his mercy, and in his forgiveness, we are one. Amen.